Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Taryn Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and today we are doing a replay on the very first serial killer we ever covered here on the pod. This is our last month with Serial Killer Summer, so we wanted to include one of our old favorites. And the next true crime episode, we will be having a highly requested serial killer from you guys. And with that, we'll go ahead and just get into the episode. All right, so we are going to be talking about, about, geez, that sounds really weird. About? About. About. Whichever you'd prefer. A very infamous serial killer that Jessica and I both find extremely gruesome and intriguing. So I'm excited about tonight. Yes. We are going to be discussing Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes. Woo-woo. The cannibal of Milwaukee. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So we got some cool stuff planned for this. And yeah, if you are new here, welcome. Thank you for coming to our show and checking us out. We've gotten a crap ton of new listeners lately, and I'm fucking pumped. Me too. I'm excited. Fuck yes. So excited. So if you are new here, yep, we're doing a little woo woo. You can't see fist pumping. You can't see us, but you know, whatevs. If you are new here, we do have all of our socials linked for you in the show notes. There's the link tree little thing, so you can click on that. You can find us on all the things, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, which is slowly becoming one of my new faves. Really great podcast community on there. So if you're part of that and listening, hello. You still haven't taught me how to use Twitter yet. I know. I need to. Every time (laughs) I'm in there, I'm like, hey, guys, it's just me. It's just Tara. Jessica don't know how to use it. (laughs) Jessica don't know how to use Twitter. It just like literally like I have several Instagram accounts, like Facebook is easy. (laughs) Somehow I'm like, what the fuck is Twitter? (laughs) But yes, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all of the good stuff. You can check us out on there. And of course, we are still running our sticker promo here that if you leave us a nice little review, grab a screenshot and send it to us, we'll send you one of our OG stickers. So for those of that have left reviews so far, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. And then also little fun thing. Uh, if you guys want to send us any pictures of where you're putting your sticker at, we're happy to repost those too because those are always fun to see. Totally. I'm going to plug our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash spookgirls, because next week they will have their next bonus episode and... 
in the time you're listening to this, I would assume there are a couple little extra fun tidbits for our five and ten dollar patrons and yeah so that is pretty much all we have as far as that stuff goes we're gonna go ahead and jump into our drinks so jessica what is our drink this week i have been having a hell of a time trying to find like a cannibalistic (laughs) drink and to no avail pinterest you have let me down this week I was so irritated. So I'm drinking rosé. The barefoot? It is. Because it's the it's the box one. Yeah. So good. Yes. This is a episode in history for Three Spook Girls. I think this is the first time everyone's drinking wine. <gasps> because so am I. Whoopty fucking shock there, you know. I actually had, because I went on a little mini vacation, I grabbed a bunch of the little mini bottles of the wine. You know, the cute little little cute four packs i'm drinking barefoot's merlot and that's actually the only one i've never tried before is it good it's actually pretty fucking good good. yeah it's yeah it's that sweet spot because it's like blueberry-ish but it's not super sweet at all it's fucking delicious thomas and i are super into blueberries right now yes you should try it for sure we got the the simply brand from like target Mm -hmm. they have like the freeze-dried one it legit tastes like tricks cereal like the fruity trick cereal it's Mm -hmm. so good nice yeah and it's just fruit hell yeah super good Mm -hmm. all right guys well we are going to delve in a little bit tonight into like we said jeffrey dahmer and how this is gonna go down tonight i did some research into his childhood i've watched the movie my friend dahmer a few times even before this was gonna be an episode and i'll tell you a little bit about his first started to get dabbling into murder <laughs> dabbling <laughs> dip my toe into it no murder <laughs> and then jessica will pick up and go through the rest of the murders and his demise i guess you can say <laughs> yeah he got fucked up yes so i will just go ahead and give a content warning now if you are uncomfortable with sex violence murder any of that stuff cannibalism necrophilia all the bad things this is not the episode for you and totally okay because we have a lot of fun other stuff you can check out Mm -hmm. but okay let's go ahead and talk about jeffrey here all right so jeffrey was born to lionel and joyce dahmer at 4 34 p.m on may 21st 1960 at the oh we're gonna drink already guys here we go evangelical deaconess hospital in milwaukee wisconsin well we can't drink because you fucking said it right oh well i stumbled quietly just drink anyway it's our fucking show our rules (laughs) just do it (laughs) so when he was a like a little little child he was actually described normal like he was energetic he was fine his childhood was also considered normal. His parents did argue, and I'll get into it, it did get worse as he got older. But at the mm-hmm. this young age, it, you know, everything's normal. No abuse with his parents or towards him, anything like that. So we do have a little bit of a turning point when he turned about four. Mm-hmm. He had to have a surgery done. He had to get a hernia corrected. Yes. And his scrotum. Yes. So he asked something after he, like, recoup, you know, came back out of the anesthesia and stuff that I can't even imagine a four-year-old asking. He asked his mom if his genitals had been removed because of how much pain he was in. Well, little boys are very much aware of their genitals, like, way 
Like, girls don't figure that out for quite some time, but little boys are like, I have a penis. Yeah. Like, my nephew, and he's going to get really mad when he finds this out. When he was a little kid, he used to, like, walk around and, like, rub his on this coffee table. Not, like, out of his pants, but, like, in his pants. And I'd be like, what are you doing? And he'd be like, it tickles. It's like little boys understand their body a lot faster than little girls understand their body. And I'm sorry, Shane. <laughs> I love you. Whoops. <laughs> and you should not be listening to this podcast. There's far too much fucking cussing on here for you. Yeah. So to me, I guess that's weird. But, you know, I'm sure you and then, you know, all the boy moms are probably like, bitch, it's normal. Chill out. But anyways, we'll digress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I. it's totally normal yeah. that little boys do that. So. Okay. Well, something that was, I guess, could be not normal was after his procedure, it seems like his demeanor of his personality totally changed. That's when he started becoming super withdrawn, super like didn't want to socialize, wanted to be secluded and stuff like that. And then I guess also when his brother was born, that amplified these traits even more. Hmm. I was kind of surprised to read this. So there was, I guess, uninformed people or just rumors. I'm not sure which way you want to say that, uh, that Jeffrey Dahmer was like stereotypical, like most serial killers and harmed live animals. But you know, this is not true Mm -mm. because if and if you're not super done a bunch of research into him, he wouldn't mess with live animals. He wouldn't fuck with them. Mm-mm. He would actually, and this is like kind of creepy, maybe just being a boy and, you know, his dad's a scientist, so this isn't too surprising. He would go and find roadkill and what he would do with them is he would either dissect them or he wanted to put them in acid to see if, you know, to watch them progress as they dissolved. Mm-hmm. And this was a big part in the My Friend Dahmer movie. It's showing him later, even later on, because this that movie, if you haven't watched it, takes place when he's actually in high school because the story comes from one of the kids he used to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Hence the name of the movie, My Friend Dahmer. <laughs> it's showing him like picking up rabbits and raccoons and other stuff like that and he's got this shed in the back of his house where he has like basically he's turned it into his lab his lair <laughs> his lair yeah hey i'm trying to be a little bit positive on that okay uh <laughs> the man <laughs> no reason to killed people i know and, um, killed men and you know kept their penises mm-hmm. let's just yeah let's just call it a lair there we go yeah, it's a lair. the lair where he did all that creepy stuff. And then there was a scene where two kids from his school were like, what the fuck are you doing with that in your bag? Like, what is that? And he's like, I'll show you. And then he takes them and it's fucking all kinds of creepy ass shit. I just thought it was really funny that part of the movie because they're like, hey, Dahmer, what you got there, dude? And he's like, <laughs> a dead cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like the same kid that's from like, what is that? He's like? from the Disney Channel. Yeah. Yes. He's from that like surf movie. Yes. I can't remember the name of it, but I've seen it. (laughs) And no one forced me to watch it. If you haven't figured it out, we love Disney, so whatever. (laughs) It's because, like, when I have insomnia, Mm -hmm. like, one of the things I do is just, like, surf Netflix for stupid shit. And I'm like, this might put me to sleep, but I'm pretty sure I watched it. I was like, I like this. Where were (laughs) the Disney Channel movies have stepped up in my time? Uh, And so, like I said, through, you know, all his childhood, everything, he was super, like, recluse. He's a recluse? Is that the right kind of Mm -hmm. word? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. He was super, like, reclusive. He didn't really want to make friends. He was really fucking weird, you know, all of that stuff, which it's like, that's not our instant red flag, in my opinion, because some kids just keep to themselves, you know, are timid, stuff like that. And a lot of it they said was, like, when his parents lived in Milwaukee, he was, like, a vivacious boy, and then Mm -hmm. he moved, and then he had the surgery, and all of a sudden, like, he changed. 
Oh, yeah. And not only that, apparently before they settled in Ohio, they moved quite a bit. So that doesn't help either because every time you go to a new school, you have to start all over. Mm -hmm. And not all kids are resilient. So, you know. No, I think he was one of those like he needed Mm -hmm. and we'll discuss this later when we talk about his other murders. He needed routine and he needed it like strict. Exactly. So they finally did settle down, but it wasn't until he was going into high school. The Dahmer family settled into the town called Bath Township, which is a suburb of Akron. I always pronounce stuff weird. Akron. Akron. Whatever. Shit. Drink. I mean, I'm we're stupid. no Akron. Ben Wyatt. <laughs> Have you gotten to that part yet? Um, you're starting to watch Parks and Rec. You're going to get to the point. Well, we're no Akron. <laughs> yeah. All right. And same story, he was an outcast there and all of that stuff. You know, at first he was very just by himself. Everyone thought he was fucking weird. And then this is when he actually started to develop alcoholism. And he was about 14, so really young. He hit it hard, like early. Yes. Yes, he would actually even drink at school, like regularly. He would take beer and legit liquor with him in his, like, bomber jacket he always wore. Scotchy, scotch, scotch, scotch. Yes, yes. So hard stuff, not just, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if wine coolers were a thing then, but, you know. No, but, uh, I mean, not at least not homemade ones. Yeah. I remember, like, I heard one of his classmates said that it was, like, 8.30 in the morning, and he had, like, a styrofoam mm-hmm. cup. And she's like, hey, Jeff, what do you got there? And he's like, scotch. <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's 8.30 in the morning. And he just, like, looked at her like, so? <laughs> Yeah. Don't fucking judge. <laughs> yep. But you know what I found really, like, sad and, you know, watching it in the movie, too, you're just like, you just kind of cringe inside is, like, how he tried to fit in when he first started, like, making these friends. Mm-hmm. Now, if you haven't seen the movie or you're just not familiar, basically, he would call them practical jokes. But basically, it was him just, like, acting like something was wrong with him or he was having seizures. Mm-hmm. And he did it so much, it, like, legit became a thing at school. And everyone just called it, like, doing a Dahmer. Mm-hmm. And people just thought it was fucking hilarious. And really, it's it's just sad on, on that part. I, I am not. Let me do my little PSA right now. <laughs> He's a terrible fucking person. Not a Dahmer fan in that way. I'm just saying the situation. (laughs) So don't come at me with that. Thank you. (laughs) Well, it's sad because he's like 14 years old and he's drinking. And the really fucking sad part is nobody gave a shit. Oh, no. His teachers teachers knew that he was drinking. Mm -hmm. His parents knew that he was drinking. All his friends knew that he was drinking. Mm -hmm. And not one single person. Mm -hmm. And I want to put, I'm going to say this. Like this, I'm going to say this. Every single person who turned a fucking blind eye to Jeffrey Dahmer they're responsible for the 17 deaths that we know of that he did. Yep. Because I feel like if one person had just been like, you know what? This isn't right. Like, you need help. I get that it was the 70s and it was a different time. But like, there's no excuse that a 14-year-old boy should be drinking scotch at 830 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And like, scotch isn't one of those things where you're like, oh, did someone drink scotch? Like, oh, this this cup kind of smells. No, it's like you'd be like, what the fuck is that smell? Yeah, I mean, like, any liquor, like, would just be, you know what it fucking is. Sorry, you do. Even beer, you know the smell. Right. distinct. There's no mistaking it. It was such a well-known fact that he was, like, a drunk at 14. Right. Like, everyone knew that he drank. His parents knew that he drank. But his parents were too fucking busy, like, yelling at each (laughs) other to give a shit. And his mom is, like, straight up wacky. 
Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So when I say normal childhood, that's until like (laughs) pre-surgery, I would say. But yeah, she had her load of issues. And then it just seems like his dad was just working a ton, I would assume, to just avoid any of the home issues because, you know, spoiler alert, they do get divorced at one point. Right. No, I think his dad was that person who was like, I go to work and that's my role in this. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to raise the kids. And I think every once in a while, like he checked in on Jeffrey and noticed that shit was wrong, but Mm -hmm. didn't actually take it any farther to change it. Right. Exactly. I totally agree. He just kind of whatever about it. Right. Honestly. And then, you know, this isn't really this wasn't surprising to me at all. Multiple articles and stuff that I read that he told people and i listened to a couple interviews and got creeped out and i couldn't do it anymore (laughs) (laughs) and i watched them all like oh yeah yeah at this age when all of this shit was going on this is really when the ideas of like the necrophilia and murder like to actually murder another human like really started to Mm -hmm. eat at him started to grow so you know the fact that he made it to 18 before his first murder like jesus fuck like at least there's that i guess like right it's so weird to think that, like, a 15-year-old boy, like, his the, his sexual preference was just he wanted to lay next to a man who was unconscious. Right. And that he fantasized about it. Yeah. Just some dark fucking shit. And he also said in an interview, too, that he blames pretty much, like, his parents' divorce to kind of what drove him to actually act out on this stuff. And... That he also knew from, like, watching their relationship Mm -hmm. and all that that he didn't want to be – he didn't want to get married because that's what he thought it was, which – Yeah. That's plenty of people who – kids who watch dysfunctional stuff like that end up thinking that's how things are. So, you know what? If that was my parents, I'd – you know, I really wouldn't want to be married either. Yeah. And I think, like, for him, like, he didn't have an outlet or a person that he could go talk to about, like, the fact that he was Mm -mm. gay. And that he has said multiple times that he was embarrassed or ashamed of being gay. And like, right. He didn't know what to do. And he didn't like he didn't have a person to go to. Like, you couldn't go to his dad and be like, I'm gay. I need your like, not that I need your help, but I like I need your help in figuring this out. Like, what do I do? Like, mm-hmm. how do I talk about this? And right. I don't think he I don't think Jeff. I think Jeffrey's parents were those people who were like, what you do in life is you grow up. You get married, you have children, you have a home, mm-hmm. and this is the way it's supposed to go. And then all of a sudden, like, mm-hmm. they're in it and they're like, fuck, this isn't what I wanted. Right, exactly. And I think, like, that was kind of a common mindset for a lot of families, you know, mm-hmm. like, this is what you're supposed to do. Because I was listening to something else and it was like, she grew up, you know, in the same time frame and she's like, you know, thinking back on it, that's what I was supposed to do. I wasn't really too concerned about school or a job and stuff. I needed, I, you know, found a husband, got married, had a kid, boom, common thing, which. Right. Well, that's what changed, you know. Right. But we'll digress. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to fast forward to the year he graduated. So now he's 18 years old. And it was literally three weeks after high school ended. Three. And this is when he decided, oh, I don't know if he decided, but he did commit his first murder. Well, I mean, I heard that, like, I was listening to an interview and he's mm-hmm. like, I didn't plan it. It just, mm. like, Jeffrey is literally, like, the guy, like, if he had had someone around him at all times, like, never left his side, he would have never committed a murder. He's all about convenience. Oh, yeah. We will get into why he got pissed off. So he ran across... Steve Mark Hicks, 
who was also 18, because he was hitchhiking to go to a concert over in Lockwood Corners. Mm-hmm. So when he picked him up, he convinced Stephen to, you know, come back with him and have some drinks before the show. Mm-hmm. So they hung out for a few hours. They're drinking. They're listening to music, just chilling out, you know, having a good time. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it's coming close to concert time. Right. Because Steve is like, hey, I'm going to head out. I'm going to go. Well, Jeffrey did not like this. Not at all. He decided to go ahead and be so pissed that he grabbed a dumbbell weight, went up behind Steven, and bludgeoned him in the head. Now, this isn't what killed him. After this, what he did was he strangled mm-hmm. him to death. With a dumbbell bar. Yes. And again, I mean, I don't know if it's a little faster since it's not your bare hands, but I know we've talked about with your bare hands, it takes, what, up to four minutes almost or something? Depending on the person, yeah. Yeah, but with, you know, a weight, it might be a little quicker, but still, it's not like the movies where it's like, you're dead. Because it might also, like, crush the lyrics more. True. And I just want to put out that at this point, put out. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm, my bad. Um <laughs> I have a very funny story about that later. Um, I'll tell you guys on like a bonus episode, my like faux pas from this weekend. Oh, God. Where I said to someone like, hurry up and come already. And I meant like, come over to me. <laughs> oh, Jessica. Yeah, I, I was like, I meant like physically come to me like across the room. Yeah. 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 Anyway, <laughs> at this point in time in Jeffrey's life, like his parents are divorced. His mom was like supposed to be living in the house. And she mm-hmm. fucking like up took his brother David and bounced his dad because he thought that the mom was supposed to be living yeah in the house was living in a fucking motel and so like Jeffrey didn't have anyone around him no all alone he was like eighteen getting drunk every day by himself in a house so he literally like is that person who's like oh I can totally strangle this mm-hmm. person because there's no one around to like figure it out exactly. After he killed him, he basically treated him like one of his roadkill mm-hmm. finds because, you know, I guess that's what he knew. So that's what he did. He took Stephen to the crawl space of the house mm-hmm. and basically began to, for lack of better terms, dissect him. He cut him up. Oh, no, that's what he called it. Yeah, it was fucking gross. So what he did was he cut him up, removed the meat, meat, I'm going to say meat for better lack of worse because I just uh, mm. like sliced off the meat off of the guy's bones took the bones and ground them up into a powder. But then he took all of the the rest of him and put them in different trash bags. And some he just mm-hmm. kind of tossed out like what the fuck ever because he just didn't see this as like anything <laughs> like a big deal. And then the rest he hid throughout the woods on their property. And I read that later he came back to like make sure to try to get rid of those bags and stuff to kind of try to start covering his tracks later on. The creepiest part of that murder, I know that mm-hmm. thing, is that he, when he crushed up the bones and ground them up, he went out into the backyard mm-hmm. and, like, tossed them in the air and yeah. spun around in a circle. And he, like, describes this mm-hmm. to, like, when he's caught, he's telling them this. And, like, the police officer, like, the detective who's taking this is just like, what the fuck? Yeah. He's just, like, throwing it like fucking confetti or something. Right. Like, celebrating what he's done. And needy Jeffrey... He killed him just because he didn't want him to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, fucking blows my mind. Jeffrey suffered, I think, from a lot of abandonment issues. Like, mm-hmm. I think his he was alone a lot as a child. Yeah. I think it, it became, like, more emphasized when um, David came along and mm-hmm. he 
had to compete for attention versus just, mm-hmm. you know, be the only thing in his parents' life because his parents didn't do that great of a job anyway. So, right. Yeah. And then after this, surprisingly, you'd think, oh, so here we go. We're going to jump into these murders. No, not yet. Mm-mm. Not yet. So after high school, he enrolled at Ohio State University, mm-hmm. and surprise, surprise, he didn't last very long. He only spent two semesters there and returned home because most of the time he'd just skip classes and get drunk. His dad legit walked into his dorm room, and he's like, pass mm-hmm. the fuck out drunk, and it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, he had class. Yeah. So his dad's like, I'm not paying for this shit. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yep. And that segues perfectly because my next point was his dad gave him an ultimatum he was like mm-hmm. you're either going to get the job or get a job or you're going to join the army mm-hmm. so he enlisted he his contract was for six years as a medic he only lasted two and he was discharged because i'm sure you guys can guess by this point it was drunken behavior so he's drinking again mm-hmm. it wasn't right when it happened but later on it was like undug discovered whichever word you want to use that he had actually drugged and raped two other soldiers because he was stationed in i think germany yeah for a while yeah so you know that's like one of the worst places to send someone who's already an alcoholic because that party scene over there is fucking insane and it's like jeffrey talks about like the early part of being in the in the army and mm-hmm. how he felt that it was like it was kind of good for him because he had the regiment someone was telling him what to do he was getting attention whether it was positive or negative mm-hmm. he was doing a really good job and that was all the way through his training and then when he finished his training right. and they sent him off to germany he suddenly was like just had a job and was on his own and like you know yes you have to do extra stuff in the military but i think he just once he settled into life it got boring again Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't – seems like he didn't like having that freedom as much. Mm-mm. He liked more of the, like, strict consistency of it. And, of course, it's like, yeah, you have all these rules and stuff while you're at your job and stuff. But it's like when you're on your free time, like, you can go do whatever you want. Right. So, yeah. So, of course, he went back home. Oh, he made a pit stop, though. Oh, you want to tell about the pit stop? When he went to Miami? <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so, essentially, like, when you get discharged, like, they – will send you home mm-hmm. like, because, you know, they're not just going to be like, toodles. Yeah, no. <laughs> Especially if you're in fucking Germany. So he arranged to go to Miami where he got a job at a deli and was just working and then got too drunk to go to work and then basically ended up living on the beach. And he called his dad for money and his dad was like, "Uh, you're supposed to be in the army, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, what so the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so his dad, like, called him home. And I think he lived with his dad for, like, a few weeks. And mm-hmm. then he's like, nope, fuck this. You're not going to drink. You're not going to be that guy. So he went to live with his grandmama. Yes. And he had uh, some interesting things that happened there, mm-hmm. which was disgusting, which will just kind of include he kept drugging and raping people at, like, gay bathhouses. I don't really know what a bathhouse is, but is that like a spa? To the Google. I'm going to Google gay bathhouses and see what happens. Gay bath house. Oop, oop, gay bathhouses in oh. Sacramento. <laughs> okay, the, okay, I just want to put out the top three things that popped up were gay houses in Sacramento, <laughs> gay bathhouses in Sacramento, California, gay bathhouses in Little Rock, Arkansas. All right, then. What you do in Arkansas? Apparently, it's popping over there. Okay, I'm very scared. Oh, my God. One of them is called Sack Buddies. <laughs> <laughs> That's so punny. Oh, I, I like it. <laughs> I got, go to their website. 
go to their website. Oh, there's... Yeah, I just... I don't know what a bathhouse is. Like, if it's... The top 10 best gay bathhouses in Sacramento. Spooksters, we're going on an adventure. <laughs> Apparently on Yelp. Let's not do Yelp. I want a definition. What the fuck is it? I found it. I googled. I googled the definition. Oh, I got stuck it's in okay. Sacramento. So this is just the wiki page because <laughs> I am i don't know what a bathhouse is. Like, you know? Okay, anyway. <laughs> the photo that they have on the wiki is like, it just says, here, Wi-Fi, now. <laughs> but I'm sure, I think they mean Wi-Fi here now. Like, no, bad people. So it's a commercial space for men to have sex with other men, also mm. known as a gay sauna or gay steam bath. Okay, so that's that's what I was trying to figure out if it was like basically like, you know, saunas. Like, that makes sense. My favorite one that it's called is the tubs. <laughs> the tubs. <laughs> the tubs. I don't know why. Sorry, Spooksters. Oh, Sorry, and they're guys. member only. Okay. So you got to be in there. And I'm pretty sure you probably. Oh, it is not like a brothel because you don't pay for it. You don't pay mm. to use the facilities and sexual activities can occur. Okay, so it's like a casual encounters location. Okay, so you pay to use the facilities, but you do not pay for sex. So you could, because they could say that you come in there and you don't do it. This is so interesting. I'm so excited that there's one in Sacramento called Sack Buddies, because that's hilarious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry. He would drug and rape men there. Mm -hmm. No murder there. Fucking disgusting. Uh, He... Apparently masturbated in front of children as well. So gross. Which he later said that he was just peeing in front of them and they said he was masturbating. Uh, I ain't gonna take but, his word for it. Sorry. I mean, I have a, I have two minds because I'm like, okay, he admitted it and then he like took it back. Mm -hmm. But like at the same time, like as soon as he got caught for the murders, he was like, this is what I did. Yeah, it's one of those. I know. Ugh. Still fucking mm -hmm. disgusting. He crazy, man. I am way too nonchalant about this shit. A little bit, man. We're a little too desensitized sometimes. I, you know what it is? I just want to point it out there. I'm not like creepy and like, Ooh, this, it's because I've been like reading about it for weeks at this point that now mm -hmm. it's just like a mm -hmm. point of topic. Like, And I've known about Jeffrey Dahmer for years. So like when I first heard about him, I was like, ah, God. But now it's like, right. yeah, I know he mummified penises and took him to work with him. I got that. Yeah. Yeah. We've been reading on him for a while. We like to do our research. Contrary to some people's popular beliefs. <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> We're not going to delve into the trolls. Sorry. Anyways. Okay. So all of these activities he has done kind of brings us to his first murder that kind of set him off onto his spree. Mm -hmm. And this was in 1987. And his victim was 25-year-old Stephen Tuami. I don't know how to say his last name. I think so. That sounds kind of right. Okay. Well, Stephen. We're just going to go with Stephen. So he met him at a bar, which, you know, mm -hmm. makes sense. And he convinced him to go back to his hotel mm -hmm. room with him. So Dahmer claims he was just trying to drug and rape him, but that was it. Because that was his thing. That was his thing. Yeah. He woke up. His hand was all bruised up. And Stephen's corpse was just like mm -hmm. beat to shit and just like hanging off the bed. His chest was like concaved yeah like some serious fucking shit mm -hmm. and you know supposedly doesn't remember this and that's kind of the segue for Dahmer and i so to jessica so yeah to me we're gonna finish up with steve because some weird fucking shit happened after but then we'll move on 
Yes. So go ahead and do part two, because I didn't want to dive too deep into his stuff. Yeah. So obviously, like, he wakes up and Dahmer says that he... Like, he knows that he did it because, like, there was, like, physical evidence that he did it. But he has, like, zero memory of doing this. I have two theories. One, because he did do this once where he he accidentally drugged himself. Mm-hmm. So my thought is either that he, like, also drugged himself and doesn't remember the fight that had happened. Or that, like, he blacked out mm-hmm. because this kind of rage isn't something that he normally does. And, like, he suppressed it. So then he doesn't know what to do with Steven's body. And he's like, fuck, I'm in a hotel. I'm in a vulnerable space. What do I do? I got it. I'm going to go buy a giant ass suitcase. And that's what he did. That's what everyone would do. Right? He buys this giant ass suitcase. And the rigor mortis hadn't set in. So he puts Steven's body into it. And then because he didn't have a car, he fucking hailed a cab. Oh, Jesus. So he's like, hey, Mr. Cab Driver, come help me. And the cab driver is like, helped him load the body <gasps> In the suitcase, into the Ooh. fucking car. Ooh. Right? Can you imagine, like, can you imagine, like, watching the news one day and they're telling <laughs> this and he's like, fucking shit, that was me. <laughs> like, I, right? Like, oh, God. So then he takes it back to his grandmother's house and he puts it in the basement and then he like kind of like waits and he basically has this body in her basement for like a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he. this is where he kind of first starts the whole, like, Oh, wait a second. Like, if I kill them, because with the first guy, Hicks, he, after he died, he, you know, he had his way with him. Yeah. Because Dahmer, the reason he preferred, the reason he drugged men was because he didn't like them moving around. Right. He even said, like, it was all about control. It was all about being there and dominating. And that's literally what it was about. Like, so when he drugged them, obviously, they go, like, essentially limp and he could maneuver them how he wanted. So then after they're dead, you can still do the same thing. So he kept him for about a week and then he started getting gross and so then he cut him up and then this is where the acid starts coming in and then he he did the same thing where he like crushed up the bones and he flushed them down the toilet. Hmm. Interesting. So then like all of a sudden Dahmer is like, hey, I can do this. And so he did. Mm -hmm. So after that, he took a 14-year-old male prostitute who was was a little Native American boy who was prostituting himself by the name of James Doxtator. And he basically was like, hey, if you come back to my house with me, I'll pay you $50 to pose for some nudes for me. Because that ain't fucking creepy at all. Right. Gross. Right. So he goes back to his grandmother's house with this little boy and basically, like, strangles him in the cellar and, you know, starts the whole thing again, like, leaves the body in the cellar, has his way with it. A week later, he starts to get rid of it. Yeah. So Dahmer does this a few more times. And I'm going to list all the victims at the end. Okay. But there's, like, this one moment in Jeffrey Dahmer's life that literally, like, could have changed everything because like mm-hmm. at this point he's killed three people he'd killed james and then another man named richard which he did basically the same thing is that they came home and were doing stuff and then he strangled him with a leather strap mm-hmm. essentially what happened is on april 23rd of i believe 1988 which is weird because i was like two. Oh, right jeffrey dahmer brought home like a mutual friend okay that he kind of knew so then because he lived with his grandma she yelled out jeff is that you 
and he got freaked out. Well, he'd already given the guy the like the sleeping pills. So he takes him to the hospital. Oh, shit. The county hospital. And like, you know, the guy's like, I don't know. I don't feel good. And they're basically because he was intoxicated, like he'd already been drinking. Mm-hmm. They didn't believe that Jeffrey, like, this is where, like, the police breakdown of neglect is like, okay, dude, like, nobody was writing this shit down. Nobody was cross-tracking. And again, it's the 80s. So essentially what happens is that they were just like, oh, it's just a lover spat. Mm -hmm. You know, like, he's saying he drugged me, but really it's like, it's what it is. Yeah. So then his grandmother was like, you got to get the fuck out of my house. But nice, because she was a nice churchy lady. (laughs) So she didn't say fuck. Mm -hmm. So he basically went and got an apartment on North Street. And while he was there, he was looking for... He basically lured this 13-year-old boy. Like, he just got the fucking... He lured a 13-year-old boy into his apartment... This is what the fucked up thing is. It's like it's under the pretext that he was going to take nudes of the kid. Yeah. So the kid is entering the home to be like, cool, let's, let me get naked and pose for you Ugh. for 50 bucks. And then Dahmer essentially like fondled him. And the kid was like, uh, no, fuck you. I don't need no one said touchies. Yeah. And he went and told the police and Jeffrey was convicted of second degree sexual assault and enticing a child for immoral purposes. Mm hmm. Of course, he was sentenced to like a one year work like furlough program where he would basically have to check into jail every night, but could go to work because at this point he's working at the chocolate factory. Right. The Ambrosia chocolate factory. (laughs) (laughs) So he he can't be killing because at this point in time, he has to go back to work every day. Yeah. Or uh, back Mm -hmm. to the prison every day. So Richard or like that we talked about earlier, Richard, he had dismembered him and mummified his skull and his penis Mm -hmm. and he took it to work with him and it lived while he was at prison in his work locker just chilling up yeah the whole fucking time yeah i was gonna say his locker just chilling so this is what happens so then like so jeffrey's in there and people are like jeffrey's not that bad of a guy like yeah maybe he likes younger looking boys or maybe he thought the kid was older i'm sure that he said some shit like that Mm -hmm. so (laughs) you know so they let him go ahead of time wow (laughs) okay i have to back up it wasn't richards it was another man he kept it was um anthony sears is the man that he he was a model, and he said that he was the most beautiful, exquisitely attractive man he had ever met. So that's why he kept his skull and his penis. Okay, then. He, like, preserved them with acetone. Ugh. And, yeah, and he stored it in his work locker. Like, I was listening to an interview with him, and they're like, but you kept it in your work locker. Like, you were basically flaunting it. And he goes, yeah, I was, because I was getting away with it. Yeah, I mean, he has this sense of, like, invincibility at this point. Right, because even though he has, like, been convicted of basically, like, fondling a child, he, he's gotten away with murder several times. Right. So Jeffrey was supposed to serve one year and then have five years of probation, but he was left early. And this is something I found interesting is his father actually requested that when he got out – one, that he not get out early. Mm-hmm. And two, that he go immediately into like Alcoholic Anonymous, like a rehab for it. He pled with the court and the court essentially denied it and just said like, he's fine. Like, so he has a drinking problem. Like, and I say no excuse because this is the 80s and rehab was the thing. Mm-hmm. So I just think it was people being lazy. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. They just didn't want to mess with it. Mm-hmm. So then, essentially, Jeffrey gets out. He has nowhere to go. He moves back in with Grandma. Grandma's like, get the fuck out. So then in May of 1990, he moves into the Oxford Apartments, mm-hmm. which is located at North 25th Street in Milwaukee. And this is where his little fucking house of horrors yes. begins. Uh huh. So on May 14th, he moves into the new place. And this is where he takes Anthony's head, Anthony Sears' head and mummified genitals home. And Dahmer basically kills, you know, he kills a sixth victim at this point, which is mm-hmm. Raymond Smith, who was a 32-year-old male prostitute. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so how basically what he would do is he would he he was very ritualistic about his killings essentially mm-hmm. he would go to bars or bathhouses and pick up a guy somehow like sweet talk him and this is the weird thing people would be like he was a good-looking charming man i have never looked at Dahmer. like i looked at ted bundy and went i get it for the time he was pretty handsome mm-hmm. i've never once looked at jeffrey Dahmer and been like for the time he was handsome no not at all no never once <laughs> Mm-mm. So he then would place their drinks mm-hmm. with um, sleeping pills and then he would strangle them. Ugh. My theory behind this is, is that he was a passive man. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he would want to like really fight. It's like he wanted to kill them because he wanted the control. Because at this point in time, he didn't think there was any other way to be able to completely like control the person. Right. But what's different with Raymond Smith is this is the first person that he starts to take Polaroids of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he goes out and buys a camera. And then what he does is he like poses his victims in suggestive positions all throughout the dismemberment process. So it's not just like they're dead and he's maneuvering them. It's like he's removing. He's doing it as he goes yeah. along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and this is the one of the first times that he starts to like boil or cook the body parts. Yeah. And then what he does is he thinks like because like spoiler alert, Jeffrey, what he wants to do is build an altar with heads with skulls. And he has this like very well thought out altar that he wants. And it's very like detailed. It's even like he wants a black curtain to go behind it. And then he wants a black leather chair where he can sit and look at it. Right. Like, no, like he. (laughs) Sorry. No, please, please be grossed out. It's like this sadistic fuck. And he said, like, I wanted to relish in it. Like, this is what I was doing. Oh. So he takes Smith's head and he wants to see if he can put it in the oven. And um, it doesn't work that way. It explodes. Oh, no. Yeah, it was bad. So he, I guess, I think he put it back together or something. I don't know. Essentially, he like then spray paints it. And then um, he sets it next <laughs> to Sears' <laughs> skull at this point. Like, it was basically like that was the start of his shrine. It makes me wonder if... The character Ryan Reynolds played in the voices was kind of modeled after him because there's there's a lot of parallels if you've watched that movie. I have not. I've heard because that's the one he's on in with Anna Kendrick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard good things about it. Oh, yeah. It's it's very like what the fuck campy kind of movie. So I'm pretty sure in one of our patron episodes, I talked about it briefly. I think so. Because I think I asked the same question. <laughs> the one with Anna Kendrick? Probably. Yes, yes, yes. If you're a patron, sorry, you're going to hear me talk about this again because I love this movie. But there's a lot of parallels like he ends up being a murderer. He keeps the heads and there's other sexual things and, you know, stuff like gross stuff like that. So it seems like maybe 
they loosely kind of modeled that character from Dahmer a little bit. I'll have to ask Ryan the next time I hang out with him. Right? Shit, I know. Right? If anyone's believing that, then you guys <laughs> need to drink, because I don't know fucking Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I wish I did. But yeah, Jessica, I think it's on Hulu. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, watch it. Watch it. It's funny. I've seen it. I just haven't done it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Essentially, like, he, the dude only waits, like, another week, and he lures another man into his apartment. He does the same thing, but this time, this is where Dahmer accidentally drugs himself. And so the dude, like, wake like, <laughs> Dahmer wakes up and realizes that he's been fucking robbed. Oh, shit. He's, like, missing several items of clothing, he's missing $300, and his watch is gone. Womp womp. Right. And of course, the motherfucker never reports it to the police, although he tells his Fuck no. he tells his probation officer that he'd been robbed, but doesn't ever like file a police report. Well, of course not, because then that's going to bring cops around his house and we don't want that. We don't want bitches up in the lair. Fuck no. Yeah, because he got two skulls and like basically at this point, he's just like trying to boil it down and like get it through. Mm-hmm. He puts it down the toilet or the the sink or something like that like mm-hmm. so then like a month later he does it again he strength like drugs and strangles another guy and this is where he starts really mm-hmm. like playing with the acid and trying to bleach like he uses a lot of bleach in the process and he's trying to basically oh, okay but then he's like making the, the skulls too brittle so he's having a really hard time and like Edward Smith, I think, is the guy that he gets really upset with because, like, essentially he ruined every part of him and was like, I couldn't keep anything from him. Because that was what it was. Like, the way that he picked his victims was who he thought was attractive. Right. To me, it seems like the keeping the heads, you know, the penises, all that stuff, it's kind of like in a fucked up way a souvenir for himself. Oh, most fucking definitely. And I think one of the things is, is that he, like, he tried to keep the skin of some men. And, like, here's the thing, like, what is it like 10 of his 17 victims are black yeah and everyone's like this is racial and he said he's like it's not about it he's like i just walk in i would walk into a room i knew i was gonna kill someone or find someone Mm -hmm. and he essentially like just looks around and he finds the most beautiful person to him in the room right and he did and then like yeah so then he has mr edward smith this is also the guy that he tried to freeze his skeleton hoping to remove the moisture but that didn't work so like he's really trying to like figure out a way to like keep people because that's what it's about for him for he said it was about like keeping them and that's why he took pictures of them Mm -hmm. and all this stuff was because he wanted to like not just relive the kill he wanted to relive like the control because i think like when he starts going towards the end where he starts trying to create his little hook of zombies right i think it was about just finding someone that would never leave him. Mm-hmm. And when you kill someone, like you have to leave them. Right. It'd be on his terms, not him being abandoned yet again. Right. Mm-hmm. So here's the issue. About this time, his neighbors are like, it fucking stinks. And there's, you know, he comes home late at night. There's like the sex noises. And then there's like, you know, other noises. And people are starting to get really like, what the fuck? Right. And... The other thing is, is that Dahmer realizes that he can't keep casting in the same pool. People will start to notice Mm -hmm, that, like, he goes in with people and they never come back. And he ended up killing friends of his, like, that he knew, like, acquaintances Mm. that he hung out with at the bar. Like, they would go home and then they'd never. And I don't understand how people weren't like, okay, 
That guy left with Jeffrey, and we've never seen him again. And then this guy left with Jeffrey and the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's because it's the 80s. and Well, now we're into 1990. So you be born. Oh, so I exist now. Yeah, literally, because it's in like June. So you were a baby. Teeny baby. Yeah, because a uh, little fun fact, this goes up the 22nd. My birthday's in three days. So, you know. Woo, woo. Woo, woo. Woo, Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. <laughs> <laughs> we're back to that again. So this dude, he goes like two hours with this guy. Like, I don't understand, like, how you get on a bus. Like, it's not like he said, let's go to a hotel. Mm -hmm. He took him back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He took him back. And then he did the same thing. Somebody wanted the D um, Um, really badly. And that's just. Apparently. But they said that, like, Dahmer had, like, a silver tongue. Like, he could charm anyone. And you'll get the glimpse of that. So we're going to fast forward. And I'm going to talk about a lot of the other victims at the end. I'm going to read them off. But I want to talk about one of the ones towards the end of, like, right before he gets caught. So on May 20th. No, no, that's my birthday. (laughs) May 27th of 1991. Mm -hmm. Essentially what happened, or it's like May 26th, I should say, Dahmer comes upon a 14-year-old boy. And I'm going to slaughter it, so just drink now. It is Conrack Samathephone. I don't know how to say it. I'm really sorry, sir. Like, I'm really sorry. You're deceased, so I'm very sorry. I don't know how to say your name. So essentially, Dahmer sees him. And this kid is 14. He's also the older, the, the brother of the kid that got fondled. Oh, weird. Ew. So the kid that put him in jail. So this, but this kid doesn't recognize him. Okay. So essentially, he comes up and he says, like, "Hey, you want to make some money?" Like, kind of the same scenario. And this boy isn't like cool. Like, wait, the same white guy asked my brother this and mm. fondled his penis. Like that didn't like pop into his head, you know? Right. Yeah. He takes him home. And like he was a little reluctant, but then he was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go because it's like he lived in the same neighborhood. And so basically what happens is that the kid poses in his underwear for Dahmer and then Dahmer gives him some alcohol because he's like, I'm cool. I can have some alcohol. And of course, it's drugged. So he becomes unconscious and Dahmer performs some sex acts on him. Oh, geez. Yeah. And this is one of the times that he essentially starts. What is it? The He's already done it a couple of times. It's where he drills a hole in their head and he's trying to make them a zombie. Weird. Because this is where he really started to get it. Like he was like, okay, I want to keep them as these like living things that are just going to do whatever I want. And how do I do that? I make them into zombies. So he would, like, drill a hole into their skull and then put hypochloric acid in their brain, trying to make them zombified. Well, before, like, all of this really happened, the little boy f- passes out. Mind you that Dahmer has a dead body laying on his floor. Oh, his no. Right. So Dahmer essentially, and he'd only killed him, like, three days before. And so Dahmer, like, thought when he looked at the boy that that he had died. So essentially what happened is he left. Dahmer left his apartment. The little boy gets up, realizes that something is wrong, leaves, finds these three women, like, standing on a corner. But here's the thing is that he, because of this injury that he has, this hole in his head, he's bleeding, he's naked, Mm -hmm. and he's just standing there. And they're like, he's under, like, duress. 
and they call the cops. Well, then Dahmer comes back. Oh, my God. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. This is my boyfriend. This is my boyfriend. And they're like, he's 14. Like, they didn't say he was 14. They're like, he's so young. He's like, oh, no, no. He just looks young. He's 19. And they're like, oh, okay. And he's like, he just got too drunk. And we're like, he got hurt. And, you know, like, he's just. And the police are. He's telling this to the police. He has a fucking hole in his head. What the fuck? <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's right. And so he's just basically saying like, look, we had a fight. He's probably just intoxicated and he does this. He like wanders the halls of our apartment, like, you know, like this type of thing. So then they go, the police take the boy back to Jeffrey's apartment. They fucking walk him in there. (gasps) And Jeffrey shows him the Polaroids that he's just taken of the boy, you know, the night before. And he goes, see, he's my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. He poses. These are dirty pictures he's posed for me. And the police were like, okay. Have a good time, you know? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Do, Polaroids didn't have any kind of, like... Do they have a timestamp or anything on them? I don't no? know. No? I don't either. And the women are, like, really, like, oh, my God, there's something wrong. This doesn't feel white. Mm-hmm. You know, the little boy, he was, like, bleeding from his, you know, his butt. From his fucking head and everywhere. And, oh, yeah, that, too. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Right? I'm sorry. He can't get over the hole in his fucking head. I don't know how he's functioning right now. I don't think it was like a big hole. I think it was like a little hole. <laughs> like, I don't think it was like this huge thing on the side of his head. I think it was like, like, a, you know, like a little one. So then um, the police leave and Dahmer kills him. I'm sorry. That's a 100% their fucking fault. He could have, they could have saved his life and they didn't. Right. No, because here's the thing is that essentially they kind of felt the same way Jeffrey did was that these women were like, all they did was like cover him with a towel and they're like, okay, like you need to stay in your house. Like you need to stay in the house. You guys need to work on your little lover's dispute. And the women are like, no. And Jeffrey's like, butt out, shut the fuck up. Like that kind of stuff, you know, like this is just like our relationship. And yeah. Nobody like ran Jeffrey Dahmer's name to see if he, you know, if they if they literally look, they would have saw that he was a child molester, that he that's what he had been in prison for. He had been in and out of jail before, like from some indecent exposure shit. But right. So, yeah. So then essentially Dahmer goes back to Chicago. He lures a few more guys and then. On July 22nd, 1991, Dahmer was approached by three men. One of the men was named Tracy Edwards. He was 32 years old. And Dahmer's like, hey, you guys want to come back to my house and like party and like take naked pictures? And they were like, (laughs) (laughs) at first they're like, nah, but then they're like, yeah, sure. But Edwards was the only one who wanted to go like to go Mm -hmm. right away. Right. Because again, Dahmer promised them money and booze and you know, he promised him $100 if they did it. Mm-hmm. And I think he was down on his luck. So Edwards was like, cool, let's do this. And then the other two guys were like, hey, we'll come by later. Well, Jeffrey gave them the wrong address. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So he basically tried to do the same thing. Well, when he came into the house, like he noted that it smelled bad and that there was several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor. And Dahmer claimed that the key uses them to clean the bricks and so they were like kind of talking and then Edwards responds to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view some tropical fish. And this is when Dahmer like, is like, look, fishy fish. And Edwards is like, cool fish, dude. And then like Dahmer slaps handcuffs on him. 
And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, and Dahmer's just like, I'm handcuffing you. Jesus. And then basically takes him into the bedroom to like take nude photos. But like while he was in the bedroom, Edwards noted that there were nude male posters on the wall and there was a videotape playing and it was The Exorcist 3. What? There was The Exorcist 3? Is that what you said? Because that got Jeffrey. What? What the fuck? Yeah. He watched Exorcist 3 before he killed people. It was his thing. And the other really creepy thing is that there was a blue 70 or 57 gallon drum in the corner of his room and it smelled bad. I wonder what was in there. Right. So then essentially they're done taking photos and Edwards is like, okay, so I'm going to go now. Yeah, I'd get the fuck out. Jesus. And Dahmer grabs a knife (gasps) and is like, you will not leave. Oh, type thing. Mm -hmm. Because he don't like that. He don't like when people leave him. (laughs) Instead of, like, trying to, like, kill him, he basically puts his head up to Edward's chest and is listening to his heart and tells him, I'm going to eat your heart, dude. (gasps) I mean, he didn't say dude, but he's like, I'm going to eat your heart. So, like, fuck, like, this guy is like, holy shit. So Edwards and Dahmer get into a fight. Mind you, Dahmer is drunk. So, like, right. He essentially is, like, overpowered, and so it's like he runs, like, he gets out. Mm -hmm. So, essentially, he gets out, and he goes to the police. Now, let's talk about the little bit thing that fucked up that happened to him, besides, you know, the fact that he almost died. So, with the police's help, like, Edwards come back and identifies Dahmer as this guy, and they go in to find the handcuff key, and when they're in the bedroom to try to find the handcuff key, they find the nude pictures and all these different things. And then they're like, fuck. So they're like, they go and they start looking around and the one of the cops goes into the kitchen and he opens up the refrigerator and he says he hears a scream. But later it's said that it was his own scream because there was a fucking head in the fridge. God, yep. Uh, there it is. Mm-hmm. There it is. So the, here's the really, truly fucked up thing about Edwards. So <sighs> he was actually not a good person himself. Hmm. He was wanted in the state of Mississippi for sexually assaulting a 14 year old girl oh okay so good thing he fucking died yeah well he didn't die oh damn it he's the one who caught jeffrey dahmer so he's one who should have died (laughs) but because of this they basically were like okay bye you're going you're going to mississippi to answer for your crimes yeah so he he does but they just basically go in and they get all of this stuff Mm -hmm. they end up finding a total of seven skulls some of them painted Mm -hmm. some of them bleached they were found inside his bedroom and inside the closet. They found, like, blood drippings in the, his, like, fridge, plus two hearts, portions of arm muscles that were, like, wrapped up in plastic. Um, in the freezer, they discovered an entire torso. So he had a giant-ass freezer because he had Jesus. a torso plus a bag of human organs and um, some other shit in there. Mm-hmm. And then they basically found, like, entire skeletons, hands, penises, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And when they were like, they opened up the drum, they found like three more dismembered torsos that were soaking in acid. Altogether, there were 74 Polaroids that basically told the story of what Dahmer did. Oh, God. Mm hmm. So obviously they arrested him because he can't talk his way out of this one. They weren't like, he wasn't like, oh, these aren't mine. Like, cause it's like, dude, we, we found these in your house. Oh, Jesus. In, in your apartment. So they basically spend the next couple of weeks and Dahmer just confesses to everything. Yeah. I mean, he's fucked anyway, so might as well. 
Right. And here's the thing. He ends up telling them about Hicks. Interesting. Like, he could have gotten away with that. Right. No one knew he did it. Mm-hmm. But Dahmer, like, went all the way back and said, look, and I killed this person. Mm-hmm. So, and he tells them, he goes into details about how he killed them, how he was trying to turn them into zombies. He talks about how he has no idea murdering Steve Tumami or whatever his name was. So sorry, I'm mispronouncing your name. So he basically tells the whole thing. He talks about how there's the sexual side of it, how the reason he started drugging his victims is that he didn't like the fact that these men moved around during sex and he just wanted them to be like still. Right. So he could do what he wanted to do. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Dahmer, you were born in a different time because I guarantee you now with the sexual culture that's out there and there's there's a place for this. Uh, I'm sure there is. I mean, not the murder aspect of it, but the whole like yep. dominance thing. You know, Fifty Shades of Grey really opened that up for the world. So, <laughs> you know, like I think that like if Dahmer had found the right sexual partner early on, I think he could have probably like, you know. Maybe not killed some people. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people, like 17. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, then what happens is that he goes to trial and pleads guilty, obviously. Right. But what he's trying to say is that he is insane. Mm -hmm. He had multiple experts say that he had multiple personality disorders, schizophrenia, and the fact that necrophilia is considered a mental illness. Mm -hmm. He was trying to basically say, I wasn't sane. Ah, okay. And they were like, okay, so we can't prove like the like there was a lot of things that because it was the the early nineties. They didn't know a ton about like a lot of the mental diseases that they said he had. Right. His defense hung it on the necrophilia that he had this disease of necrophilia. But what fucked him up was the fact that he was trying to make them into zombies so that he could keep them alive. So to the I guess the true definition of a necrophilia is that they only want to have sex with corpses. Okay. But basically what they said is that Dahmer did not require his victims to be dead because he engaged in sexual acts with men prior to drugging them and that he was trying to turn them into zombies. Yeah. So essentially... June was found sane, legally sane, which is really fucking hard to believe because when you hear this shit, you're like, (laughs) no. So he was essentially sentenced to 15 life terms on February 15th, 1992. Good. Then in like this weird thing, because it's like, dude, you Mm -hmm. already like have 15 life terms. You're in like 800 and something or 900 and something years. What they decided to do was extradite him back. Mm hmm to ohio and he stood trial for the murder of stephen hicks good which i think is great so then he was sentenced with 16 life sentences good (laughs) yeah never leave in prison you ain't getting out motherfucker so he goes to prison right and he finds like a lot of people do like our other favorite weird killer man chris watts he finds jesus of course he does And becomes a born-again Christian. Of course, because that's what they do. Right. And the, you know, the Baptist, or like the the church guy, the preacher, the minister, Mm -hmm. um, his name was Roy Ratcliffe, and he'd come in and he'd work with him, and he baptized Dahmer in the prison whirlpool, like, you know, the physical therapist whirlpool in the... (laughs) And the infirmary. (laughs) And he really got in, like, Dahmer started reading about, like, creationism and all that kind of stuff. He basically would visit him all the time. And they would talk. And Dahmer even questioned about, because he was living, was he sinning against God? 
because of all the shit he had done. He had contemplated suicide, but, Hmm. you know, basically because the Christian faith says that if you kill yourself, you don't go to heaven. Um, Dahmer really wanted to go to heaven. So Dahmer had a couple, a couple like, well, he had, he had one incidence, really, uh, a, another inmate, and I can't even pronounce this name. It's so, it's Oz Philando Dorth, Dorothy. He attempted to slash Dahmer's throat with a razor that he made, that he embedded into his toothbrush hmm. when Dahmer was coming back from church. Dahmer just had some superficial wounds, and this was in July of 1994. So he wasn't too bad, you know, beaten up. Well, on the morning of November 28th, 1994, Dahmer left his cell to um, do his work detail. And he was accompanied by two other inmates. One is Jesse Anderson and the other is Christopher Skarsvar. They were left unsupervised for about 20 minutes in the prison gym. Now, if you've watched the movie or the TV show Oz, you know some shit's about to happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you leave anybody alone in a prison, somebody getting fucking killed. It's about to go down. Right. So essentially what happened is that approximately 8, 10 in the morning, Dahmer was discovered on the floor of the bathroom and he was suffering from extreme head and face wounds. He was bludgeoned with about a 20 inch metal bar. Yikes. So he was pretty fucked up. So at this time I found him, he was still alive. Mm -hmm. So they rushed him to a nearby hospital, but about an hour later he was pronounced dead. Shit. Anderson was also beaten with the same instrument, and he died two days later. Oh, wow. Right. Skarsvar, who was already serving a life sentence for murder that he committed in 1990, informed the authorities that he had f- he had first attacked Dahmer with the metal bar and when Dahmer was cleaning the staff lockers and then went to Anderson. Now, Skarsvar fucking hated Dahmer. Right. How can you not? <laughs> well, right, right. And he basically said that God told him to kill them, you know? Okay. <laughs> it said that, like, in prison, like, though he seemed that he was this, like, super righteous person, like, when he would go to meals, like, he would fucking, like, shape his food, like, dismembered body parts and, like, put ketchup on it and do, like, blood. Because I think he was going back to that, like, childhood regression where, like, he was essentially in, like, the same environment as a, because they say, like, high school and prison, the only difference is you go home at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, so I think he was, like, back in, like, that mindset where he was, like, trying to a Dahmer essentially mm. and um, that's what he was known for in there here's the weird thing like they basically like the two guards that were supposed to be watching them weren't there so they were and like this, it never went past that they were like where were you and they're like we just weren't there mm. and they're like oh well Dahmer died because Dahmer had talked about killing people and eating them yeah and Scarvar actually hated him to the point where he used to carry, like, newspaper clippings of what Dahmer had done, like, in his, essentially, like, in his pants and, like, would mm-hmm. would taunt Dahmer with it. So he basically was, like, he really fucking hated the guy. So Dahmer basically had put in his will, because I guess in prison you have to have a will, that he did not want to have a service of any kind for him. Like, he didn't want his parents to have, like, a funeral. Mm-hmm. And he just wanted to be cremated. He didn't want his body put anywhere. And so in September of 1995, they divided his ashes between his parents. Hmm. Interesting. It's probably what they wanted. So let me just run down the known victims that we have. That way we can kind of take a moment to honor them. Yep. So obviously in 1978, um, Jeffrey murdered Stephen Hicks. He was 18. 
1987 was his next killing, which was Stephen Tomey. I'm sorry. He was 25. In 1988, he killed James Dox Trader, who was 14. And then that was in January and March, he killed Richard Guerrero. He was 22. In 1989, on March 25th, he killed Anthony Sears. In 1990, on May 20th. Aw, your birthday again. It was four. Hmm. Boo. On my fourth birthday. He killed Raymond Smith on the June 14th. He killed Edward Smith on September 2nd. He killed Ernest Miller on September 24th. Um, he took the life of David Thomas in 1991. This is where he kind of went a little crazy. In February 18th, he took the life of Curtis Strader. on April 7th. He took the life of Earl Lindsay, May 24th, Tony Hughes, May 27th, he took the life of, and again, I apologize for saying this wrong, is Honorak Sinathsmofo. I don't know how to say it. I apologize. June 30th, he took the life of Matt Turner. July 5th, he took the life of Jeremiah Weinberger. July 15th, he took the life of Oliver Lacey. And July 19th, he took the life of Joseph Braderoft. And that was his last victim that he actually killed. And then the last victim, which he did not kill, but was his last victim, was Tracy Edwards. I think Dahmer, like, from the beginning was just abandoned. He didn't have the um, the necessary guidance in his life. I mean, there's no excuse for what he did. Like, there's no amount of blame you can blame on your parents because, like, like a lot of people had shitty upraisings and had bad parents. And they're not out killing dismembering and eating people right yeah that's the thing like if you think about it and you take it like his childhood subjectively like he had a quote-unquote normal childhood i mean especially by today's standards oh yeah absolutely so you know like most stereotypical cases you know there's no there's nothing of abuse. There's, you know, nothing like that. So it's just kind of like, did his parents make the best choices? No, everyone makes mistakes. But are they to blame for how he turned out? No, absolutely not. In my and opinion. he did say like, he like you said earlier, he first came out and said like, Oh, my parents caused this because of blah, blah, blah. But later mm-hmm. on, he came out and said on like Inside Edition, He's like, Mm -hmm. I made these choices. And the fucked up thing is, is like, the more he talked, the more people realized that he knew it was wrong. Right. But he still did it anyway. Right. Because it's what he wanted to do. Right. And he even said, like, I knew it was wrong and I did it anyway. And I wanted it. And you're right. So I think it was a good call that they called him sane because I think if he didn't know what he was doing was wrong, like if he believed what he was doing was right, you know, wasn't like wrong, I guess. Like, that's one thing, because then there's, like, something in you that just doesn't understand. There's, like, you don't have a moral compass. Like, this dude had a moral compass and just went the fucking other way. Right. Yeah. He just didn't give a shit. Right. And I think, like, because he got away with the Hicks murder, and there was, like, a nine-year gap. Yeah. He went and did other things, and then he came back to it, because, like I said, he just had this sense of just being invincible, and he's like, well, I got away with it. Mm -hmm. You know, once I can do it again. I got away with it X amount of times. Why the fuck would I stop? I enjoy it. Right. And one of the things that on the Inside Edition, um, he was interviewed by Nancy Glass on that show. Mm -hmm. And basically what they asked him was like, 
why the nine-year gap? And he said there wasn't an opportunity. Like, Dahmer is one of those people who is so truly fucked up because he knew it was wrong. Mm -hmm. He liked what he did. And he didn't care. Like, one of the things I thought was interesting is that one of the sisters of one of the men that he had killed came to visit him. And she's like, why did you take my brother? Why did you take him from me? And he said, I liked the way he danced. That's it. At the end of the day, he liked the way he danced. And he thought he was handsome. And yeah, I don't even know how that would work in today's world. He was so matter of fact about why he did things, you know? And I think that's why, like, and then he would, like, talk about what was happening. Like, he would talk about the killings, and it was just so, like, it was so nonchalant. Like, yeah, I wanted to keep his head. I wanted to build an altar. Mm -hmm. That was it. And I think that's what truly scared people is they didn't know. Like, Dahmer didn't look like a, he doesn't look like a, I mean, now he looks like a serial Mm -hmm. killer. We think people who look like Dahmer now are serial killers. But I think with him, he didn't look like one. He held a job down. There was all this other shit that he did. Like, I think the fact that he drank so much, mm-hmm. he was young. Like, he was, like, when he got caught, he was only, like, 31. Mm-hmm. He was so young. He had done all these things. Yeah. I think that the whole, like, dismembering of Roadkill, even though he didn't kill it. Because there's, like, one part we didn't talk about, which is the fact that he, like, he had a crush on this jogger in high school and like he would watch the jogger like every day run and if you watch the the movie which i do recommend because i watched it too my friend Dahmer. yep mm-hmm. and basically what happened is like the only reason this guy lived is that that day he didn't go jogging and you know Dahmer fantasized about him like you know all he wanted to do was knock him unconscious and lay with him And I don't even think he meant it, like, sexually. I think he just wanted to lay down next to him. Right. It's kind of like this thing, like, was he just, like, neglected? Was he not loved? I mean, his mom had severe anxiety issues. She was on medication. She was very unstable. And his dad just avoided everything. (laughs) That That's exactly his dad, like, just was like, oh, okay, like... By the way, I think Anne Heche played her very well in that movie, my friend Dahmer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she did a great job. Like the part where like the dad comes home and there's the car in the driveway and he's like, where did you get that? And she's like, I bought it. He's like, with what? (laughs) She goes, money. (laughs) Like she like she was the other side of the crazy. Like she was delusional in the fact that like she thought she could take care of herself and she clearly needed like Mm -hmm. the way they portrayed her. At least she clearly needed to be institutionalized. Oh, yeah. I thought that movie was very well casted Mm -hmm. for everybody, honestly. Right. Oh, no, it was really great. And the dad in there is mm-hmm. in that show, um, Insatiable. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which, Spooksters, if you have not watched Insatiable, you should watch it. It's fucking hilarious. There's yeah. murder in that show, too. There is. And I think there's going to be a season two. I don't totally I remember. So. I hope there is, because the way they ended it was just like... They have to. We yeah. don't know what the fuck happens. Exactly. Yeah. We got to know what happens to Christian. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure he's dead, but um, yeah. Spoilers. Well, sorry, guys. That's what we do here. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers. Um, You're going to have to like watch the show, though. But um, honestly, like the way I sit back and I think about Dahmer is that this is a really good reality check for a lot of people that you need to pay attention to those around you because mm-hmm. 
you know, pedophiles are people that you don't always think. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people who are sexually abused, they're yeah. sexually abused by someone that they know and trust. Yep. And they don't think it's happening to them. Like, and I'm going to bring it up because I watched it. <laughs> I watched Leaving Neverland and I do recommend watching it. And it because it deals with sexual abuse. And if you're out there, male or male or female, Mm -hmm. man or woman, if you've been sexually abused and you haven't gotten help, go get help. Because if you don't, it can destroy your life. Like watching Leaving Neverland, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, have you watched it, Tara? I haven't. It's on my list too. Hopefully. I throw a lot at Tara. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I just watched this. You should watch it. And she's like, uh, I'm still 15 away from this. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's on my list because I know we're hoping to do a bonus episode on this. So yeah. Oh, I won't go into any else then. But I just like, (laughs) but the one thing I want to say is that like the kind of common theme that I've noticed with sexual predators is that they don't, they want to stay under the radar. They, but they want attention. They blend in very well, though. Mm-hmm. And Dahmer blended. He, like, mm-hmm. according to people around in the gay scene in Milwaukee during the time, he was kind of one of the it guys. Like, he was, you know, he was that mm-hmm. dude and everyone was excited. <laughs> and, I mean, nobody paid, like, and I think that's the thing is that nobody was paying attention. Like, I've said, like, how do were people not going, well, you know, Tony went home with him mm-hmm. and nobody's seen Tony since. Or... You know, every week this guy comes into the bar and then we never see another this person that he leaves with. Like, how is there not one person in all of Milwaukee going, there's something wrong here? And his neighbors, like the fact that if our neighbors were like something smelly is happening in in their apartment, we'd have our apartment managers Mm -hmm. in here looking like what's smelling. But like they didn't care. They he told them it was a leaky fridge. Right. I mean, it's just that kind of shit. And like, I I think probably now because of Jeffrey Dahmer, we know better. Right. And I feel like, too, because it seems like I don't even know the right words for it. But it's like, you know, true crime is such a hobby, I guess, for so many people now. It's like, right. Everyone doing their own research on all of these cases makes you more aware and just more, I don't want to say paranoid, but just more observant of the weird things but i think paranoid is a good thing to be in these cases Mm -hmm. like yeah i mean this is total off but yeah it's good to be paranoid because i was listening today it's still no it's april 1st on our time sorry anyway i was listening to the most recent uh mini sode for my favorite murder and if you don't listen to them you know they read listener stories and stuff on those Mm -hmm. and this girl was in hawaii and you know, she she was walking home. It was late at night. It was like after like she was a dancer. It was like, you know, super late at night mm-hmm. kind of thing. And this guy, this old guy pulls up next to her and he's like, hey, someone's following you. He's hiding in the bushes. And she looks around and there's no bushes. She don't see nobody. Right. So it's like she had said in her email, she's like, you know, do I risk trusting this person driving or do i tell him to fuck off and voice that i'm crazy so if there is someone following me maybe they'll hear me and you know of course she's alive and safe and everything so she's like Mm -hmm. obviously if anyone was following me they stopped or you know who knows if anyone was even following me but she's like at least i was paranoid enough to be like i have pepper spray and i have this giant ass heel that i could fucking stab somebody with so i'm good thanks and you know just because maybe if she was more i don't want to say naive but more trusting what if that guy was lying and she got in the car and he fucking did horrible things? So 
women have a really good sense of intuition. And a lot of times, like, mm-hmm. a lot of times we allow ourselves to get in pos- into positions or into situations that are bad because we are too afraid of offending someone mm-hmm. because of this, like, scare culture, as they like to, you know, like. Right. I mean, I'm all for me too, and I'm all for women being treated mm-hmm. respectably and being treated correctly. But I also think that there's another side of that is that women women often misread uh-huh. things. And I'm, I mean, this, and I don't want people to be like, oh my god, she's one of those girls. She's she's a sympathizer. No, right. I also came from a like very male dominated industry where they would joke with each other, and women would get offended. They'd be like, "This is so, this is sexual harassment." You're making jokes about like sleeping with people, and it's like because when guys do it to guys, it's funny. But then when a guy interacts with a girl, and it's like in a male dominated area, like I'm not talking about the guy who like wolf whistles at you and slaps your ass and calls you baby. Like those are guys you should punch in the dick. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm talking about like. The guy who just makes a joke and you're like suddenly on a warpath. Mm-hmm. And I might maybe and also because I have brothers, you know, I'm not like super sensitive to it. Right. But I think that men now there's this other side to it. Men are afraid of women because they're definitely afraid of saying anything inappropriate because they don't want to go to prison, yeah. which is great. But we need to find a common ground. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We need to be able to talk to one another. We need to be like single. I could not imagine being a guy right now and trying to find a girlfriend. Mm-mm, because you're too afraid to fucking do anything right you'd be like oh god did i offend her like shit like like do you just have your i'm sorry card out all the time yeah that's the fucking problem like <laughs> sorry if you're one of these people listening but it's like 99 percent of people i feel like just want to get offended over fucking everything you'd be like the sky is blue someone's gonna have a fucking problem with it. it's green tara it's just the way <laughs> it's the fucking ocean reflecting into it that makes it blue oh uh, yeah it's fucking i can't even know they turn life into philosophy 101. Yeah. But like the math edition, not the English. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever taken philosophy, you'll understand. I'll just be straight up mm-hmm. like I failed the math portion of that. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> when I was like, they, they, my uh, advisor in college was like, there's an English one. I was like, why did you sign me up for the other one? Right. I told you. <laughs> I've taken like four or five philosophy classes when I was in college. So nope, I totally get it. And I wanted to like kill somebody during those. They sucked. <laughs> and I had a teacher, my professor had a very strong accent. Oh, no, that makes it worse. Oh, I had to like record it and listen to it. Like literally everyone was failing. Yeah. And he, oh. finally, he was like that guy who was like, okay, everyone's getting C's because everyone was getting <laughs> D's. And he was like, okay. Something's wrong and it's my fault. Whoops. Right. <laughs> Not ex- and like, but the great thing is that he opened up to discussion in the classroom. And that was one of the things that was discussed is like, mm-hmm. you know, women, women need to feel safe. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, this instance, it's like, these are dudes that were being yep. like killed. And yeah. I think that my point with talking about women is that we have a good sense of intuition. And a lot of times we ignore it to not be rude. Right. Because we think, no, yeah. Like, he's going to get upset with me and get aff- Like, I'm going to offend him. Mm-hmm. And then the other side now is that people are, like, too afraid or not afraid to offend people. But I think that we we put ourselves, like, I put myself, like, you talked about Hawaii. And my instant thought was that time that mm-hmm. I left a bar. Like, I was drunk and left a bar with a guy. Oh, yeah. And the bouncer of the bar was, like, stepping out on the street and watching me. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, my mom's voice popped into my head and was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Where are you going? Who were you with? And I was like, and my mom, I just heard her say, make good choices. 
And I'm like, I'm not making a good choice. Tara knows every time I leave my house, my mom would say, like, make good choices. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I just heard it. And I, like, turned to the guy and I was like, okay, like, you live here and you're just wanting what? To show me the beach? That was, like, I sobered up. I was like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like, I want to go show you my own little private beach. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, if you're trying to undress this, it ain't happening. Yeah. And I'll be honest. He was like, okay. He's like, so my intention was that we were going to go. And like hook up on the beach. I'm like, that's not my life. That's not what I'm about. Yeah. I was just drunk and I'm calling, I'm calling like an audible right here. The mulligan, like I'm leaving. (laughs) And the bouncer of the bar was like standing, like he'd gotten away from his job and was just like standing in the street watching me. Mm -hmm. Cause he's like, I felt like I needed to watch you come back. And I like walked up and he like took me right inside. Nice. Like I didn't have to get back in line and wait. He was just like, go. Yeah. He's like, get in there. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. This is, this is also the same bar that I left like a week earlier throwing my shoe at a Louis Vuitton store because I was like, I want fucking cuter shoes. I was a hot mess. I drank way too much. It's all good. No judgment. That was like 10 years ago at this point. Oh my God. <laughs> it was nine years ago. God, it was. Yeah. How old was I nine years ago? Because it was like, I, I remember when you went, I was um I was a freshman in college and I was on the East Coast. So I was like six hours ahead of you or something crazy. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I got all the drunk texts. It's fine. That's hey, because I love you. <laughs> I was also that girl who never drunk texted dudes. I'm that girl who like drunk texts her friends that I love them. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I love you. And Tara's like, stop <laughs> texting me. It's but by the time like I was texting you, you were like up and going to class. So exactly. It wasn't that bad. But (laughs) maybe in like a maybe in a patron episode, I will tell details of that. That crazy night. Oh, snap. Yeah. So patrons get excited. Yes. If you want drunk Jessica, old shenanigans. Go join patron. (laughs) For as little as a dollar. You can hear all about that. (laughs) My shenanigans. That's what I should start doing. Just like once a month, tell like my weird fucked up shenanigans. That there we go. Now they're gonna get two bonus episodes a month. Damn. Tara knows. Tara knows my shenanigans. <laughs> Are you okay? Did I kill you? Just spit water. <laughs> <laughs> and part of it got on my computer. Hang on one second. <laughs> I broke Tara. Okay, we're fine. So, and really, the reason I like changed the subject a whole bunch is I was really wanting to leave on a lighter note today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, sorry, I'm still wiping water. <laughs> See, I, I tell you guys, I get up to shenanigans. It affects other people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, very heavy topic. So yes, lighter note. And you guys know we kind of bounce around on the banter. So there's that. But that's really all we had for this episode. So we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in every week and for our new listeners thank you so much for checking out our show we honestly really really appreciate mm-hmm. it. it makes us excited that we've seen so much growth lately yes and we really appreciate you so yeah you can always find us on our social medias our patreon all of that good stuff and don't forget if you want a free sticker go ahead and leave us a review on itunes and then also if you're android you can just leave us a review on our facebook like page and send us a screenshot of that and that will work for your free sticker as well or tell your google home to play through spooked girls and it happens yes and yes there you go (laughs) but anyways uh thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you next time whether that's a bonus episode for my birthday or just next week we will see but yeah that's all we really had so we'll see you soon 
Either way, it's Tara's birthday. Yay. Yay. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. (laughs) 